Blog Talk Radio. This is Miss Laffalette on Blog Talk Radio, holistic health, inspiring stories, and sustainable earth. I'm here today actually going to be talking to Steve Wilson, the joyologist, very well known in the laughter community. He's also an award-winning international personality in the field of therapeutic humor and laughter. Steve Wilson's work as a clinical psychologist crystallized his thinking about the relationships between humor and mental wellness. Steve is now retired from the practice of psychotherapy. Steve continues to intertwine substance and humor in ways you never imagined. Steve is the president of the World Laughter Tour, which is an organization that promotes health, happiness, and world peace through laughter. He innovated this program called How to Create Therapeutic Laughter. His laughter circle programs are used by thousands of people at work in schools, hospitals, healthcare, treatment support groups, nursing homes, and more. And he's going to tell us tell us more about that. Steve is one of America's top-rated speakers. He has earned the designation of Certified Speaking Professional from the National Speakers Association. He serves on the advisory committee of, of the Mental Health Addictions Development Disabilities training program at Columbus, Ohio State Community College, where he is the honoree of the Stephen H. Wilson Scholarship Fund. As an internationally acclaimed advocate for the benefits of laughter, he received the 2007 Golden Laughter Award from the French School of Laughter. He is the director of National Humor Month, which we will be talking about, and the 2010 recipient of Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor's Lifetime Achievement Award. Today, Steve will present his reflections, perspectives, and a practical framework for how laughter and humor enhance health and happiness. Steve and his wife, Pam, are the joyful grandparents of the 10 smartest, funniest, most beautiful children in North America. All boys except for six, apparently. (laughs) Please welcome the the wonderful Steve Wilson. Hello, Hello. I'm here. Hey, how are you, Steve? (laughs) I am happy. How are you? <laughs> You're happy. <laughs> yes, Yay. I am. I I do hear, uh, Steve, that coming up is National Humor Month. April is National Humor Month. And actually now, because of the Internet and the way things work, you know, it's not just limited to the United States. It's, it's a month for everybody around the world. It really has what... They tell me it's called a global footprint. But uh, but the month of April being set aside for humor, that happened around 1975. Uh, it was an idea of a comedian named Larry Wilde. He was a character actor on television, and he started collecting jokes and writing books, and he was a, a comedy writer. And he ended up being the best-selling joke book writer ever. I mean, millions of his books are out there to help people laugh. And then uh, Larry is, uh, uh, he's in his 90s now, and uh, a few years ago he asked me if I would please uh, take over as director of National Humor Month and advance the mission and move that forward. So the idea is to take a whole month. Uh, There are special days. I just saw a National Donut Day. But there are special days and special (laughs) weeks where we celebrate all kinds of things. But a whole month, I thought, what a great idea, 30 days to embrace laughter, to get people to appreciate humor. And that is in any form, comedy, uh, jokes, joke books, uh, movies, 
uh, live shows, just interacting with your friends. But to say, you know, humor has an important part in in our lives as human beings. And as a psychologist, that really fascinated me. And as I looked into it, and now there's much more research available telling us uh, that humor is one of the things that gives us balance in life. I'm going to give you a definition of a sense of humor, which is the ability to see the non-serious element in a situation. So having a sense of humor is promoted and, and enjoying all kinds of humor is promoted by National Humor Month. It starts on April 1st, April Fool's Day. There is a website called humormonth.com. Everything that's on that website is free. Uh, there's a list of the American Film Institute's 100 Funniest Movies. Uh, there's a little sort of a calendar, something to do for every day of April to be sure you bring humor in. But So I've had so much fun doing this, and so many people are getting involved. In fact, I was just talking this morning to a library here in Toledo, Ohio, um, and uh, showing them our program for Humor Month called Funny Literacy. And that is a program that uses humor to encourage kids to love to read. So we get the kids uh, going to the funny stuff in the library. They can, whatever it is, they read a book, they watch a movie, and they can, they write a report or they put on a skit or they somehow they report on on what they uh, found funny. And we send them a certificate and we call them certified laughter readers. And uh, a lot of the librarian was saying, you know, a lot of adults uh, point the kids away from the funny stuff. When are you going to get serious, you know? Get a history book, uh, that kind of thing. And, and that, you get, that's not going to necessarily get the kids to love reading. And it's so we introduce them to it. The National Humor Month at humormonth.com. Help everyone will find a way to, you know, be sure to, Get on YouTube. Watch this clip. Your favorite comedian, the favorite old movie that made you laugh. You, it, it's probably there. Review it. Take a look at it, and give yourself permission to let it out. Let laugh out loud. Uh, we believe that the energy of our laughter, our smiles, uh, are the pleasant especially the pleasant ways that we interact with other people, changes the energy in the whole universe. So we have a campaign going on now called Every Laugh Matters. Your laugh is important. If somebody made you feel bad about your laugh, they told you it was too giggly or uh, you cackled or it was a horse laugh, I mean, people are criticized for their laugh, and then then they... stifle it. They, they they inhibit their laughter. They don't want to let it out. I think that's why a lot of us go to the movies for funny things because in the dark when no one can see us, we'll laugh out loud. But but when we're sometimes just with a group, especially if they're strangers, you know, we're not sure. We're going to be criticized or whatever. And so we're saying let it out. When your laugh is so important, 
it, it changes your interaction with other people. It changes your brain chemistry. It changes your the health of your body. You're healthier when you let yourself laugh. You're healthier when you find something humorous, not so serious in a situation. I'm going on and on, but maybe you have another question. But it's, I hope everyone will oh. this for that humor month. Well, it's all good. I, I love I love what you're putting out there. Funny literacy, that sounds amazing. What an amazing project. And I do hope that everybody can take a look at um take a look at, at the website and become involved in Humor Month and all that they can. Steve, when we talk about humor, humor has the power to help. What do you advise uh from to keep humor from backfiring? Uh humor uh itself is a two edged sword. Comedy can be a two edged sword. Comedy and jokes can be insulting, degrading. Um, they can hurt people's feelings. Um, so I'll, I'll give some guidelines because I think they're important to keep your humor uh, from backfiring. Let's say you see a funny bumper sticker or you hear something or something comes across Facebook, you want to share it. Before you share it, you think about this. The per- Considering who I'm going to tell my joke to or share this thing that I thought was funny with, is it appropriate, timely, and tasteful to that person? Are they going to receive it and they're going to be okay with it? If not, leave it out and find something else. And another important rule is we call it the five-minute rule. Never poke fun at anything that another person couldn't change in the next five minutes. Never poke fun mm-hmm. at anything that the other person couldn't change in the next five minutes. In other words, unless you know them really well and you know they can take the joke, things that are pretty permanent about us, we wear glasses, we have freckles, you've got red hair or you're bald or you're tall or short. I mean. Things that are pretty permanent about people are often sensitivities that they would not appreciate you making fun of. And we want people to use humor to pull us together, not divide us up. The, the interesting, the anthropologists who study, you know, where were we millions of years ago in evolution, they believe that we laughed before we had language. We had laughter before we had vocabulary, and the laughter was a signal to other people, you're safe here. It's okay. We are going to take care of each other here. Laughter is a warm invitation to become part of the community, and we would like to see it used that way, especially during Humor Month. So think about what you're saying to people and who you're telling your joke to. It might have language in it that the other person wouldn't appreciate. You see, it's different jokes for different folks. I may hear something, a line, and, and I think, oh, that tickled me on the inside. I, I, want, I want to tickle somebody else. So I'm going to share it. Well, it, the language and the vocabulary of the joke may have been okay with me. But is it okay with the other person? So as you 
develop your sense of humor, and you can do that. That's wonderful. All through your life, you can have a better and better sense of humor. But as you do that, I would like you to also develop your sensitivity to humor. You know, we get our feelings hurt. We, we get our egos bruised pretty easily. Even even the, those of us who seem tough and strong and getting along, we can be hurt. And if you use a joke or humor of some kind in the workplace, let's say at the workplace, and it backfires, the other person may never tell you that you hurt their feelings, but they stop being as communicative. They stop being as cooperative. They might even sabotage or undermine a project that the team's trying to do. You're going to happen at work. You're going to happen in a classroom. Red Book Magazine at one point had a study that showed that 80% of the sexual harassment complaints at work started out with inappropriate joking. So you don't want your jokes to backfire. You want them to lift people up. Want to show your sensitivity, and as it also turns out that in the workplace, all things being equal among people applying for the same job, the one who shows some sense of humor is going to probably get the job. They have an advantage. So it's just Mm -hmm. good for us. Uh, Comedy and joking and humor is really, in many ways, a collective experience. Comedy especially is a collective experience. That's why we want to go in groups to a comedy concert or um, or the movie, you know, the funny movies and things like that. Um, Because laughter is a social glue. I see your smiling face. You see mine. You hear. Maybe we're on the phone. You can tell in my tone of voice or tone of laughter that I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm not faking this laughter. This is sincere. I'm really tickled, and not because you were funny or told a joke, but because we're connected, we're together, and it feels good. And laughter bubbles out, and it, so our friendships and our relationships are stronger with good-natured laughter. How are they related to mental health and work, humor and laughter? Well, uh, I'll take an obvious. Um, example, which is people who are depressed. And there's a lot of depression going on. It's related somewhat to stress, and there's a huge amount of stress going on in the world these days. But when you get the blues, when you get down, when you're feeling low, not much funny. You You don't feel like hearing a joke or telling a joke or somebody says, let's go see a funny movie. Well, I don't know if I want to do that. So depression is a mental health condition. In most of us, in the normal course of a day or the week, our moods go up and down. We're not up high, feeling great all the time. Um, You asked me at the beginning of, of our call how I was, and I said, I'm happy. Well, that doesn't mean that I'm happy every minute and every second of every day, that that's impossible. That's too much to expect. Life has ups and downs. and But most of us have that fluctuation at a pretty 
decent level, pretty good level. So even if we're down a little bit, we can come back up pretty quickly. But the mental health condition that we clinically diagnose as depression, that's much deeper. So good-natured banter, joking around, smiling, that's an indication that depression is either lifting or it's gone or it's, you know, your mood swings are just at a normal level. Um, So there are, and then the concept of balance. Um, When something happens that's a setback, that's a disappointment, um, it could be something hurtful, it could be shocking, um, we, what, what we can do is learn to look at all sides of that situation. It just doesn't have one side. It's got many sides. And maybe if we take the time, take a deep breath, take a step back, let me, let, let's look at the different sides of this. Maybe we come on one of the sides of it that isn't as serious as the other sides. And in there, we can find something to smile and laugh about. I'll give you an example. There's a picture in the newspaper of a man whose car had been crushed by a tree during a storm. They you know how these terrible storms out on the western, west coast of the United States, and it's just awful these days. And I, I saw on television a tree fell through a house. Well, here's a picture in the newspaper of a man, he's standing next to his car. The car is crushed by a tree. He's holding up a sign on a piece of cardboard. He he made a sign with an arrow pointing to his car, and the sign says, compact car. Now, he, <laughs> he just looked at it. I mean, if your car gets damaged, you've got a financial side to it. You've got your whole convenience of transportation getting the work side of it. Uh, you've got insurance to deal with. Uh, you, I mean, all kinds of you know, all kinds of things. You got to get the work done on repairs. It has family implications. But somehow, there was a guy looking at all sides, and he said, "You know what? It's a compact car." And and seeing that, <laughs> pointing it out, doesn't fix the car. Doesn't make everything okay. One of my favorite sayings is, laughter is like a windshield wiper. It doesn't stop the rain, but it lets you keep on going. And that, So he found a little bit of laughter. And when his brain jiggled with laughter, I'll call it that's not a very scientific term, but um, actually chemical changes happened in his body, what happened to anybody that uh, keeps your immune system working, lowers the levels of stress hormones that's been measured in scientific research. So you're stressed out, the car is damaged. But if you can find a little bit of humor, and it only has to be for a few seconds or a minute. doesn't mean you got to laugh all day or, you know, be crazy about it. But that little bit of change and your body responds you're stronger, you will think better, and then you'll ultimately be able to deal with all the other things, you have to, all the other sides of the situation. So don't leave humor out. Question, what happens to the brain of, say you and I are in the same room, and I'm 
I'm really depressed. I'm I'm ticked off and I'm not in the mood. Okay. You start laughing. And then everybody else starts laughing. What's going to happen to my brain chemistry in my body? Well, <clears throat> that, that, that's, that's going to depend. Uh, we're talking about the potential that laughter has to be contagious. We can catch it from each other. Finally, something good we can catch from each other. And it has to do with a, a quality we call empathy. Ability to understand and sense and feel where another person is emotionally. And that's very important in our social relationships. It's very important in getting along in the world, just to be able to have empathy. And it, it, it's, so it works emotionally. It's almost like an emotional echo. I come in the room and I see you're down and I see your sad face and you've got tissues there, maybe you've been sniffling and I know you're, I, I see you're upset. I start to feel some of that. Uh, myself, I, I'm empathizing with you. I'm relating to you. I get it. Um, that's that's a very important quality. And what I don't want to do is tell you to snap out of it. I want to be there with you. Now, because... Uh, even crying is a self-limiting behavior. We we cry because we need to cry. That's another aspect of the mental health of all this. Any emotion that you ought to have, even anger, there's an appropriate time to be angry, or guilt, there's an appropriate time to feel guilt. Even the unpleasant negative emotions are self-limiting. You have them. And you cry, maybe, uh, and and then you stop. And you know somewhere down the road in life you'll probably cry again. And laughing is the same way. Laughing is a self-limiting behavior. You laugh, you can laugh your head off, having a good time with your friends. And then the party's over and the laughter subsides and it stops. And then, you know, somewhere down the road you'll laugh again. So I think I want to emphasize the idea to just try to be with people with their feelings. Don't just tell them to snap out of it or try to talk them out. And don't try to necessarily joke them out of it. Now, you can do that with a good friend. Somebody who knows me well, uh, who knows I'm having a tough time with uh, something. I didn't close the deal. I didn't make the sale. I got a low score on the test. We lost the game. Whatever it is, it's got me down. People who know me well can have a way of bringing me out of that with humor. But I wouldn't, I'd be very careful doing that with strangers. That's part of the social connection that we make with each other. Um, and and, it, and we, we, can, we can infect each other with laughing. Okay, so then, yeah, we, we can, we can, each other with with laughing, Steve. But what I'm 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 interested in hearing from from your mouth is is how okay. Say you know we talk we hear of, of this thing called intentional laughing. Okay, um, let's let's not talk about any other scenario. Just just the fact that two people are in a room. Okay, no matter we don't know what the scenario is. One mm-hmm. person is laughing, and the other person is depressed, and they are not mm-hmm. laughing. Okay, so there's other scenario we don't know what it is. 
just as a scientific experiment. What would happen to the individual if you started laughing, the you and me are in the room? We don't know anything what happened, whatever. It just happened. Laughter happened. What happened to the chemistry in my body? What is your hypothesis? Well, we know what happens. We know a lot about what happens when you laugh. So, uh, so you're down, and I, you're feeling down, and I come in, and I start giggling. Hopefully, we know each other, and I say, "Hey, let's let's try to laugh a little bit about this," because we know we practice. You know, we this is something you develop. You you build up the ability to uh, get in in sync with this. And you sort of say, "All right, all right, let's give it a try." I get the corners of your mouth up, and I start my laugh, and you start now. One of the things that we already talked about, your, the, any stress hormones in your body, they're going to start to reduce. The stress hormones, if they stay in your bloodstream too long um, or they're too intense, those are the things that make you sick. The, your muscles start to relax uh, because muscular tension is part of emotional tension. So you start to giggle, you get muscular relaxation. If you laugh long enough and hard enough, especially kids, it's hard for adults, but kids who are less self-conscious, they just collapse. They just fall on the floor. They're just like a limp puddle, you know. <laughs> and, and so that's because your muscular system, your endocrine system, your immune system, they're all being affected in, in healthy ways if you... Give yourself over to this. And through our laughter clubs and through our laughter classes, people learn to really appreciate when somebody tries to bring them out of the doldrums, out of the blues with some laughter. Again, you know, we don't want to say, you know, you don't have anything to be sad about. Cut it out. I mean, that's not true. That's a matter of perspective and perception. Um, but uh, every system in the body, you start giggling, you start taking in oxygen. You laugh long enough, you might come to tears. And when we analyze, and scientists have, analyze the chemicals in the tears, we find there are some toxic chemicals that you don't need in your body. They're being washed out in your laughter. And, uh, and this is what, uh, thank you so much, Steve. We are we have about just under 60 minutes left of, of the show. Like I said, we could go on for hours, I'm sure. What would you like to leave uh, our audience with today? And how every, can they reach you? Uh, okay. Uh, the thought that I want to leave everybody with is every laugh matters. Whatever you've been told about your laughter, if it's a negative, think positive. Somebody Somebody didn't tell you the right thing. Um, and when you're using humor, think of the, this uh, African proverb, the axe forgets, but the tree remembers. Let's not cut people down with humor. And worldlaughtertour.com, that's the website, huge amount of resources, information, encouragement, worldlaughtertour.com. Miss Laughlot on Blog Talk Radio. See you around the you're playground, welcome. hey? You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, 
Thank you so much for sharing the laugh.